forth, not just now and in this moment, but throughout weeks too, Lord. In your name we pray. We all said amen. 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 Hey, before I get started today, I just want to do a little bit more uh, sales pitch on what's coming up next week because we're, we're finishing up our series on the book of Ruth. But next week, I'm starting a brand new series, uh, and it's kind of a little bit different. It's called Questions. And we've done several message series before on questions that we ask of God, questions we ask like, God, why don't you? Why didn't you? Who are you? What do you do? But this series, I'm going to take the other side of the equation. Because if you ever read through God's word, especially if you have the red letters in your Bible where Jesus is talking, Jesus asks us a lot of questions. He asks us a lot of questions. And we got to believe that Jesus doesn't ask us, ask us a question because he needs to know the answer. He knows the answer. But he asks those questions so that we can confess, so that we can grow deeper in our faith, and so that we can internally realize who it is that we're dealing with when we talk about Jesus. So that's coming up. It's actually going to be a little bit extended. I don't do really long ones, but since Easter's right around the corner, that's going to lead us up through Easter and including Easter. And uh, on Easter, we'll have a very special message uh, about one question that Jesus asked that's pretty familiar to all of us. So that's coming up. Don't miss that. If you have friends who you're like... uh, want to know you want them to know a little bit more about jesus and what what he you know is all about this is a great series for them to be involved in so now let's turn to the final chapter of our study on the book of ruth we started this 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 study about four weeks five weeks ago now and we have been through uh lots of things right we have talked about lots of different topics and some of that has been kind of relationship centric because there's some great uh, the biblical truth about relationships, remember. But in the first week, we said that if you want to get where you're going, wherever that is, if you want to get to a place you want to go to, and especially the place that God has designed for you, we have got to turn and leave where we are before we can get to where we're going. And, and that's what Ruth did, right? Ruth and Naomi left Moab, the sinful city, and turned towards the God in Bethlehem. We, we learned that if we work and we, we, we honor God with what we do, that, that things will happen. We learned also that it's okay to define the relationships we're in. It's okay to set boundaries and ask questions and tell people what we expect. And last week we learned that, that we can actually be involved in writing our next chapter by three things, right? Relying on God's provision in our lives. By creating a strategic plan that involves God in every step, and then with, with, with a lot of faith-filled prayer. But today I want to turn and talk to those people who might be feeling disappointed, who might be feeling let down, who might be feeling a little some way about this season of life that you're in. Because it's not that you don't believe in the goodness of God. You absolutely believe in the goodness of God, but you haven't seen it play out in your life in a long time. Maybe you've hoped for years that you would be in a place financially where you could be a blessing to the church and a blessing to the people around you but 
Right now, you don't know how to even make ends meet. There's a lot more week left at the end of the paycheck. Maybe you have dreamed of a God-honoring relationship or a God-honoring marriage, and you have prayed for that, and you have gone through some seasons of real darkness and real challenges, but the only thing you've noticed is that your dream is on hold, or maybe even worse, your dream has turned into a nightmare. Maybe you think, by this time in my life, I've worked hard. I have honored God. I have prayed prayers that I didn't even know I had. Maybe you thought by this time you would be more happy, more successful, and yet you find yourself lonely and anxious and depressed, disappointed. If you're in that spot, where you are hurting and hopeless and hoping for something better, the first thing I want to tell you is that I am truly, truly sorry that you're in that spot. My heart hurts for you. We get it. We get it. I can stand up here and look like, you know, the really cool pastor, but let me tell you what. We have gone through some valleys and some dark times in our lives. We understand. But more than that, I pray that in this final kind of installment of our study on the book of Ruth, that God gives you hope. And I can guarantee you, if you open up your heart to what God has to say today, there is hope no matter where you are right now. No matter how disappointed you are, no matter how much you think it's time to give up. There is hope. Because look where Ruth came from. Look where Ruth came from. In chapter 1, Ruth hit rock bottom. She was widowed. No job. No means for financial support. No hope. In chapter 1, Ruth experiences heartbreak and loss and pain. But Ruth made one decision, one decision as a young widow to leave the sinful city of Moab and turn towards the God in Bethlehem, not so that she could get something because she wanted to be faithful to him. And then in chapter 2, we see Ruth works and waits and serves and honors God. She was a widow who in that day could have turned to many unseemly things to make money to support herself. But instead, she humbled herself and went into the field to pick up the scraps after the harvesters. She honored God. And while she was honoring God with her life, a God she didn't even know a couple of years before, it just so happened. As she met Boaz, a godly man of standing, a wealthy, honorable man. They had a lunch date. Ruth's like, I think this is the one. I think he's the guy. I got the butterflies. So in chapter 3, she initiates something. She kind of defines that relationship. She surrenders to Boaz. She puts her trust in him. Remember, she laid at the foot of his bed by his feet. That is, in the day, that is a sign of of, of submission of you I want you to cover me to 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 take care of me in my life she asked him to be her guardian redeemer remember me and she asked Boaz hey can we take this forward there was a little problem there we talked about last week because Boaz wasn't the first guy in line but then in chapter four we see where Ruth ends up redeemed by Boaz but more than that redeemed by the God we serve restored by the goodness of God in a place of rejoicing. 
Today, I want to talk to you guys who are stuck somewhere in between. Somewhere in between chapter 1 and chapter 4. If you feel stuck in chapter 1, your life is on hold, you're in that in-between, I want to assure you with no doubt in my mind whatsoever that God still cares for you. He is still working. He is still good. He is still faithful. He did it before, and he will do it again. Stay faithful to God in chapter 2. Keep trusting God through your chapter 3. And let me tell you what. God's plans for you whether you believe it right now or not, are better than you can imagine. They are better than you could ever fathom. Whatever you're dreaming right now, God's got a better dream. Whatever you're hoping for right now, God's got a better plan. Because God is good. And he's really good at being good. God is the God of mercy. Scripture tells us that his mercies are new every morning. That means that every day you wake up and you feel disappointed, you feel hopeless, you feel like life is not the way you want it. God's got something for you. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning if you wake up and turn to him, he says, I got it for you. I'm going to get you through. I'm going to get you through. I'm working on my plan because God is good. And I want us to have that hope today. So, Father. Speak today to those who are in that spot. Maybe in the waiting. Maybe in the in-between. Maybe in the desert. Maybe in the valley. Speak to us in this place, Father, because we're all in some form of that right now. Remind us that you are in control, that you are good, and you will always be good. And that you work all things for the good of those who love you. Open our hearts, Father. Use me however you see fit. Let everything that comes out of my mouth be from you, God. And most of all, let there be hope and trust transformation at the end of what we have today, God. We take this all to you and we pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll all say amen. If you're at home, type amen. Last week, uh, remember that Boaz had a little problem. He wanted to marry Ruth. He wanted to be her guardian redeemer, but there was another guy in line. So he hatches this plan goes out to the town gate where all the business was was taken care of and met with the guy, remember his name, Plony Almoni. Everybody remember that? Everybody say Plony Almoni. That sounds like a word I just made up, but it is not. I did not make that. I couldn't even make that up, which literally translates to Mr. No Name. He makes a deal with Mr. No Name. Remember, he's like, hey, hey, I got a deal for you. You know, you're the guardian redeemer of this woman named Ruth. She's got some land left to her by her husband. Would you like to have the land? And the guy's like, of course I'd like to have the land. He's like, oh, there's one more thing. Once you get the land, then you get a wife, and then you got to have children with Ruth. And then, by the way, after all that's said and done, when her children get old enough, you got to give all the land back. And the guy's like, nope, swipe left. I'm out. Mr. No Name beats feet. Boaz becomes her guardian redeemer. And remember then, the elders prayed for Ruth. And this is a paraphrase. This is not reading. But they they prayed something similar to this. Make Ruth like the women from whom the nation of Israel came. 
make her famous in Bethlehem, and may you prosper her. That's, we find that. You can read that in Ruth chapter 4, verse 11. That prayer, that one prayer, resulted in a changed life. For Ruth and Naomi, it resulted in a changed family. And ultimately, as we have been discussing all along, in a changed legacy, not just for Ruth and Naomi, but for the entire world, from everybody, history past and history future until the end of days when God comes back and claims it all again. It changed our legacy because that started the lineage from which Jesus was able to be born fully God and fully human from that prayer. And I want us to be clear on this today. No matter where you are, no matter what you're going through, keep praying. Never, never underestimate what God does in response to prayer. God is always listening. God is always here. God always hears what you have to say. In fact, he knows what you're going to pray. He's already got the answer to your prayer working in his miraculous plan. And, and all we got to do is just wait and be patient for it. Now, be careful. Sometimes the answer to your prayer is no. That's all right. There's always an answer. God always answers your prayers. But never underestimate what God does in response to prayer. Here's, here's the full answer, by the way, the full answer of, of, of that prayer in Ruth chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Boaz took Ruth into his home, and he became his wife. And when he slept with her, the Lord enabled her. Everybody say, the Lord enabled. The Lord enabled her to become pregnant, and she gave birth to a son. One verse, one answered prayer, one, one people praying together for, for one person, Ruth in her own praying together for God to kind of come through for her shows the goodness of God, the goodness of God playing out all through the book of Ruth. No miracles, no parting of the Red Sea, no water into wine, no raising people from the dead, but verse after verse after verse after verse, God's provision and God's goodness and his plan playing out through prayer. And this demonstrates something that we don't like because we are an impatient people. This demonstrates that God can take however long God wants. We don't like that. We don't like that. We pray and we're like, all right, God, it's been like 10 minutes now. I could have already been at Walmart by now. I mean, you know, you're taking a little bit longer than the cashier at Walmart took last night. And then we give up. But don't. Don't. God may take a while. And so, in fact, sometimes God can take years to turn your brokenness into blessings. But when he does, it is better than you can imagine. It is something you could never even think of for your own life. He is so good that way. Ruth and Naomi experienced 10 years of misery in Moab. 10 years of misery they waited. 10 years they were there. 10 years they were kind of in this place where they weren't sure what was going to happen. Widowed. Ten years, one decision they made to turn from Moab back to Bethlehem. One prayer, one prayer of faith resulted in a changed life and a changed family and a changed legacy. We read in answer to the prayer that the Lord enabled Ruth to give birth to a son. That's translated from the Hebrew Yahweh way yit ten. Yahweh, we all know that word. Way you ten W A Y Y I T 
T-E-N. Yahweh, where you tend. And that can be translated several ways. Depending on the version of the Bible that you're reading, it can be translated as uh, the Lord enabled. As we see here, it can be translated as the Lord gave. It can be translated as the Lord granted. It can be translated as the Lord blessed. We could put any of those in there, right? The Lord enabled Ruth to have a son. The Lord gave Ruth a son. The Lord granted Ruth a son. The Lord blessed Ruth with a son. It doesn't matter how we say it. Yahweh, way you tend means the same thing. It doesn't matter how you say it. What matters is the Lord did it. The Lord did it. She was faithful. She prayed. She kept faithful to God. She kept searching for him. And the Lord enabled. The Lord did it. The Lord gave her. The Lord granted her. The Lord blessed her and her family. And maybe he's done that for you in the past. Maybe he has. Maybe you can remember a time when he has provided his provision just rained down like thunderstorms on your life or healed you in a way that you didn't ever expect or answered a prayer or restored you maybe you remember him opening a door and proving himself faithful maybe you remember when he made a way but now you're in this place that you didn't think you'd be and you might be a little bit disappointed you might be a little bit lost whatever you're facing yahweh way you ten. god is able god is able everybody say god is able come on say god is able is anybody listen to me god is able that is a great great news for us no matter what you're going through whatever you're facing whatever storm is in your life whatever desert you're walking through whatever plan you thought you had that hasn't come out yet god is working god is ready god is making his plan go and he is able he's not just able by the way he's not just able paul says this in his closing to the letter in the church of ephesus he says to him who is able to do immeasurably more immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work in us it's not just that god is able it is that he can do immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine what can he do whatever you need what is the need you have right now god can do it god is working on it god knows what you need he can do that and he can do so much more better better than you can imagine you're between chapters in your life you're in the waiting you're in that hoping place you feel your dreams are gone you have battled that addiction so long that you don't even care to battle it anymore. You have struggled in this marriage so long that you're about ready to give up and say divorce has got to be easier than this. You have searched and searched and searched for that person who completes your picture in your life, and yet it comes up empty every time, no matter where you are. God is able. He is working for you. He's there. And I know what you're thinking. Because I think the same thing. If he's able, Pastor Chris, if this God is so able to do immeasurably and, and, and more than we can ever imagine, then why didn't he? Why isn't he? Why doesn't he? Anybody ever ask that question? If we're honest, I have. I have. And you know, our, our girl Ruth, she could have thought the same way. She could have felt exactly the same way. She could have thought the exact same thing. She could have been like, I just turned to this God. I thought it was supposed to be all great. 
where are you? Chapter 1, her husband died. She turns to God, stuck with her mother-in-law, her sister-in-law, bounced, stayed back there, remember? Orpah, she stayed back there. She's starving, working in the field. She meets a cute guy. She asks him out, and then he ghosts her for seven weeks. She could have been like, this God you talk about, Naomi, isn't always cracked up to be. Where are you? Why didn't you? And maybe that's the exact same place you're in right now, in the waiting, in between the chapters, hoping for something that isn't working, hoping for something that's not materializing, wishing that you had something better, but take this hope. While you're waiting and while you're praying and while you're remaining faithful, And while you're not seeing anything moving in your life, God is working. God is working. God is working in your life right now, no matter where you are in that journey, no matter where you are in your life, no matter if the life has not turned out the way you thought it should or your life is going great. God is working. He sees you. He knows you. He sees you and he calls you by name and he's working in your life right now. Keep the faith. Keep running towards him. That's what Ruth did. Ruth kept the faith. She didn't let her current situation uh, define her view of God. That's what we do, right? That's what we do. We let the situation we're in define how we are with God. When everything's going great, when we're on the mountaintop and we're looking out at the sun, we're like, I love you, God. You're the best. (laughs) I can't think of any better God than you. And then we take a trip down into the valley. We're human. We're like, I don't even think I want to pray anymore because I don't think God's listening. I see him working in her life. I see him working in his life. Why is that guy over there who doesn't even pray to God, who doesn't even follow God, why does he seem to be so happy? I'm not sure it's worth it. Ruth trusted. She kept moving. She kept going, and I want to encourage you to do exactly the same thing. Just because he's silent doesn't mean he's absent. He is working. He is able. He has the power. God is always working in your life, and God is able to do more than you could ever imagine, immeasurably more. That word means you can't even count it, right? Immeasurably more than you could ever imagine. And I wonder, do you trust him that way? Do you trust God that way? Or are you just kind of like in this place today where you're, you know, feeling some kind of way? Every problem you face, God has something for you. We hinted at this earlier. His mercies are new every morning. What can God do? Immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. What can God do? Whatever you need. How able is God? God is able. God is more than able. God is perfectly able. God has perfectly planned your life for you exactly the way it's supposed to be. And we got to just keep going for him. Keep going. I did something. I think it's cool. You guys might think it's kind of cheesy. But just to remind us of who God is and what he can do, I took every letter of the alphabet. So if you're looking for something today, there's 26 choices here. I hope I'm going to make it through before the whole thing disappears on me. So if we're ready, I'm ready. You guys ready in the back? Here's what God can do. Here's what God can do using every letter of the alphabet. He says, A, he answers your prayers. B, 
He blesses you abundantly in every way. C, he comforts you when you're hurting. Don't forget that ever. D, he delivers you from evil. E, he empowers you to do his will. F, he forgives all your sins for everybody, by the way. G, he gives you your daily bread. H, he heals you when you're sick. Give me an amen on that. I, he illuminates your path. J, he justifies you by his grace. K, he keeps you from stumbling. L, he loves you no matter what. M, he moves your mountains and he never leaves you or forsake you. Is anybody listening out there? Oh, he overcomes your enemies. P, he provides for all your needs. Q, he quiets your darkest fears. R, he restores what you lost. S, he strengthens you when you're weak. Come on, give me an amen on that. T, he transforms your life. He understands your pain. He vanquishes your darkness. W, he works all things for your good. X, he extends you grace. Give me a break. Not much starts with X. Come on. Y, he yearns for all your heart. And Z, he zealously, zealously pursues you with grace and mercy and love and protection and provision and healing he is able come on come on next time we do that Dave that's got to be a little bit slower all right buddy he can do so much more than you can ever imagine he is able Yahweh way you can whatever you need god is able and we see that provision ruth chapter 4 verse 14 it says then the women of the town said to naomi praise the lord who has now provided god the provider a redeemer for your family may this child be famous in israel may he restore your youth and care for you in your old age for he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven Sons, that's a big deal to say that he, she, a daughter, a woman, I'm sorry, but back in that day, that was not like, you know, a son was the deal. To say that this woman, daughter-in-law, was better than seven sons is a big, 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 big deal for these women of the town to be celebrating what God had done in the life of Naomi and in the life of Ruth. And it's important to remember, he, they're not celebrating Naomi's plan. They're not celebrating Ruth's plan. None of this was their plan. Naomi's plan was probably to grow old with Elimelech, with her two sons, sick and tired, tired, right by their side with their two wives and have big families and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren. That was probably their plan, but God's got a better plan. God always has a better plan than the one we have. Always has a better plan. And look how it ended up, right? Ruth has a baby. Got Obed. You got Ruth. It says they love Naomi. And that was a blessing better than seven sons. Imagine seven sons meant a legacy for a family that would never end. And Ruth has now been blessed to bless Naomi better than seven sons. And some of you are in a spot right now. That is not what you had planned. It's not what you had planned. When you sat and wrote out your plan for life, this was not the place you thought you'd be. Some of those things are temporary. Some of those things seem life-shattering right now. But God's plan is better. God's plan is better. Turn to the person next to you and say, God's plan is better. So much better. Look, if things had turned out the way I planned my life, I had, well, I didn't really, I I had, my plan was no plan. That was kind of the way it was. 
But you could call that a plan, right? Because failure to plan is planning to fail, I guess. I don't know. I, honestly, when I was 18, 19, 20 years old, I never planned to be married. I thought I was a player. I was wrong. <laughs> really wrong, by the way. Ne never planned to get married. Never, ever planned to get married. Never planned to have kids. I, I never in my life planned to get divorced when I was young. I never in my life thought that I would be a single dad raising two kids, trying to work a job, trying to start a business, doing all that kind of stuff. Never, ever, ever planned for that. Never planned to have BGE turn my electric off more than once. Never planned for that. That wasn't in my plan. When that was done, honestly, I never planned to remarry. I'm like, I'm done. Doesn't make any sense. You can ask my wife. My favorite joke was, the next time I get married, I'm just going to find somebody I don't like and give her half my stuff. I mean, that's all it was. But God brought somebody into my life who I just couldn't live without. I never planned to remarry. I never planned to have another child. We never planned for one of our children to have issues with self-harm. We never planned for one of our children to have a battle with addiction that has lasted for 10 years. We never planned that. That wasn't in our plan. But I want to tell you something. If I had gone with my plan... I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be bringing this message to you right now. I wouldn't even be in a church. I wouldn't because God's plan is better. And it was because of all that he brought me through. It wasn't just that that stuff happened. He brought us through that. He was with us every step of the way. His plan is always better. If it wasn't for his plan working in my life through all of these just so happened God winks that come through and his provision in my life, I wouldn't be here. I would have never gotten into ministry. I would have never been called as the lead pastor of Hope Springs Church. God's plan is better. God's plan is always better. God is able. God is working better than you can imagine, better than you can ask immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. You didn't get the job you want. God's got something better for you. You wanted to marry that person. You thought he was the one. She was the one. God's got something better for you. God's got something better for you. You had different plans for this weekend. You thought you were going to stay home and just plan your Super Bowl party. God had something better for you. You're here. He's here right now with you. You are here. God's got something better for you. God's plan is better. It's so much better. So much better. Let's wrap this up. Verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 17 says, The neighbor women said, Now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed, and he became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. And last week, remember, we went through the long lineage all the way back from Jesus Christ to that son, Obed. Obed, we saw the providence of God using natural circumstances to affect his supernatural will. And remember, wherever you are right now, we said that the providence of God is like reading Hebrew. It's always better when you read it backwards. It's always better when we look back at our lives and say, that might not have been my plan, but I see exactly what God, I see what you did there, God. I see what you did. I see what you did there. And you give them little fist bumps and you're like, thank you, God. <laughs> As followers of Jesus, our whole entire life should be centered around him. 
He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the rock. Even if, you're at, even if you're at rock bottom, he is the rock at the bottom. He is the one we can stand on to climb back up. He is, he is everything we could ever need. But Jesus was born from the lineage of Ruth, the Moabite woman who turned from her sin, who left Moab to pursue the God in Bethlehem. He redeemed her. He restored her. God is able to do more, immeasurably more than you could ever ask or imagine. This was her second marriage. Her first husband died. It was not her plan. But God's plans are not our plans. And they are so much better. That's right. Thank goodness. So you might be in here right now thinking, well, my plan A didn't work, so now I'm on plan B, or maybe you're on plan C, or maybe you're on plan D, or maybe you're at the end of the alphabet. Remember, he zealously pursues you. That was Z, see? Tie it all together here. You might be on one of those other lettered plans, but God's still on plan A. God is still on the only plan he's ever had for your life, and he is working in your life right now. He is working in your life right now to affect his plan if we remain faithful, if we remember what God has done in the past so that we can look forward to what God will do in the future, if we remember and we stay faithful and we say, thank you, God, even though I'm in the valley right now, even though I'm in the disappointment, even though I'm in the shadow, even though this may not be the thing I wanted, even though this might not be the life I planned, thank you, God, because you have brought me to this place Every worst thing in your life is already passed and you've made it through. And that's only because of God. That's only because of God, because he's got a plan for your life. And his plan is so much better than you can ever imagine. And you might wake up somewhere at a time in your life where you didn't want to be. And maybe you woke up this morning in that place. In the hurting. In between chapter one and chapter four somewhere. Waiting and hoping and praying. And you just don't see any light at the end of your tunnel. While you're waiting and praying and hurting and hoping, God's working. God's working. He's got something better for you. His plan is always better than you can imagine. Immeasurably more than you could ask. And there's one thing I want to kind of show us as we kind of wrap this series up. Because while we see the blessing in Ruth's life, the, the physical things that happened in her life, something else amazing happened to Ruth through this story. In chapter 10, she calls herself a foreigner. The word for that is Nahaya. I practice saying that so you all can applause. Nahaya, I am a foreigner. Then also in chapter 2, she says, I am Shiva, which means I am lower than your servants. Imagine thinking of yourself in that way. And then in chapter 3, she says, I am Ama. I am your servant. And then in chapter 4, she says, I am Isha. I am your wife. As Ruth And her life changed physically. As she got to know the goodness of God. 
as God's plan worked out in her life. It didn't just change her physical circumstance. It didn't just change her financial circumstance. It changed her identity. It changed who she was. It changed how she thought about herself. She went from feeling like a foreigner, lower than a servant, to somebody who had status in someone else's eyes. And some of you can identify with Ruth. And maybe you feel like a foreigner in a life that you never saw coming. And the amazing thing here is that the entire four chapters of Ruth is just a picture of the gospel. It's just a picture of the gospel. Ruth was a foreigner, a stranger, lost and broken in Moab. She left Moab to pursue the one true God in Bethlehem. She called herself lower than a servant, not worthy, a sinner. Boaz loves her. He saves her. He redeems her, not as a slave, not even as a servant, but as his wife. And if you are in Christ, this is your story. This is your story because at one time, and maybe you're in that place right now, you felt foreigner, foreign, uh, uh, far away from God. You felt like a foreigner in God's kingdom. You felt like a spiritual outsider. You were hurting and broken and hopeless, and maybe you're there right now, but God had something better for you, something better than you can imagine. He sent his son, Jesus, to love you and to save you and to redeem you and to call you child. And if he did that for you, then, no matter what you're going through, he's able to do it again. He is able. And his plan is immeasurably better than you could ever ask or imagine. And so today, if you're stuck in the in-between, somewhere between chapter 1 and chapter 4, I just urge you to keep pursuing God because he is able. And sometimes he is the only constant that you'll find in your life. All the other stuff will change. All the other stuff will go away. Jesus says if you build your house, if you build your life on sand, when the storms come, it's going to wash away. But if you build your life on Jesus, the rock, when all that stuff is gone, he's still there. He never changes. He's been able since history began, and he created the heavens and the earth out of nothing, and he will remain able when all this is dust to do more than you could ever imagine. While you are waiting, God is still working. He's still working. And I promise you, if you remain faithful, I promise you that one day, one day, One day, you will be in a place and you will read it backwards. And you will look back on your life. And you will see, not just see, but you will know beyond a shadow of any doubt that God was working the whole time. He's able to do more than you could ever ask or imagine. Come on, let's hear it for that. Let's hear it for that. And there may be some of you in this place today, watching online or maybe here with us in this, in, in, sitting in a seat. I don't know. I don't know what your spiritual journey is. But maybe you're that foreigner, that, that in a foreign land right now, far from God, 
searching for something you think is going to fulfill your life, searching for something that you think is going to be better than anything you can imagine when the only thing that's really better than you can imagine is God's plan. And you're longing for something that God-shaped hole I spoke about before. You're trying to fill it, cram it with all the stuff in this world. And there's only one thing that's going to fill it up. There's only one thing that's going to satisfy it. There's only one thing that's going to set us free from our bondage of sin to live the life that we were designed to live. And that one thing is Jesus. While we were yet sinners, God sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. And I'm not going to leave here like I I never leave here without giving anybody who, who wants to be in a relationship with Jesus the opportunity to do so. And so we'll pray this prayer together. And if you feel God calling on your heart right now, it's not uh, chest pains. That is God calling you. That is God calling you. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit right now to invade every soul, but most importantly, to just pierce every heart that doesn't know you, Jesus, to pierce every heart that doesn't know you right now in this place, watching at home, watching here, sitting in the seats to pierce every heart. with all heads bowed and with all eyes closed pray with me Jesus I believe you are the Lord and Savior of the world Jesus I believe that you died on a cross to pay for my sin Jesus I believe you rose three days later defeating my separation from God Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I surrender. Thank you, Jesus. And God, for anyone who has made a decision today. In fact, I'm going to ask, with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you made a decision today, just slip your hand up and right back down. I would just like to make a mental note of that. Thank you. For anyone who's made that decision, if you're at home, you can, you can type in there, I did it. We give you the glory. We know that you say you will leave the 99 just to find that one. And when that one comes back, you are rejoicing, even just for one. That's how much you love us, God, even just for one. So thank you, God, for anyone who has come to a place of relationship with Jesus today. Help us, God, to see that you are immeasurably able to do more than we could ever ask or imagine in our lives. When we get to this place of disappointment and hurt and doubt and fear, help us to remember, help us to look backwards, help us to read your provision backwards so that we can remember everything you've done in our lives up until now. And we can say with confidence, if you did it before, I know you'll do it again, God, because you are able. And finally, I just ask that you keep everyone here healthy and safe we meet again, God. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And together as a church, we'll say amen. If you're at home, type amen. Listen, if you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, first of all, we just want